Welcome to the Church Explained Podcast, a conversation to grow your leadership and build your church. I'm Dave. And I'm Nathan, and we're your hosts of this episode. And today we have been joined by Fillmore. And a little bit about Fillmore. Fillmore is married to his lovely wife, Caitlin, and they are currently planting a church in Seattle after pastoring in New York City for nine years. So now, Fillmore, second take, you can uh, kind of say hello to our listeners. Hey, everyone. Hey, Church Explained Podcast. So excited and honored to be here with Dave and Nathan and uh, I pray we have a good time talking all things church leadership, church planting, and I uh, pray that you are encouraged wherever you're listening or watching this from. Awesome. Brilliant. So, Philmer, it is so good to have you with us the whole way from Seattle. We yeah. know it's 9 a.m. in the morning for you. And so, raining. Uh, dark. The um, sun has not come out yet at all. So Yeah, well, we can not We can sympathize with you because we're in the UK and it's always raining. It's raining very, very heavy. But listen, Philmer, it's so good to have you with us. Why don't you tell us a little bit about your faith story and your ministry journey? Yeah. And, uh, just to kick us off. Of course, of course, would love to. Uh, so I grew up in Detroit, Michigan. Uh, grew up in a fairly uh, religious, uh, you know, Christian faith, sort of Pentecostal tradition. Um, it was it was amazing until I thought it wasn't amazing. Uh, I guess so. I was uh, had parents that you know served in a multiplicity of roles. So I was always at church. I was at church on Tuesday, on Wednesday, and then we did two services on you know Sunday. Uh, morning and evening. And then my grandmother was also on staff, so she would bring me to work with her sometimes. So I basically grew up and lived in the church. The joke is maybe that's where I was born, uh, quite literally. Um, But I also played basketball. So when you play basketball in Detroit, um, that's pretty much your God. It's your functional deity. And I, that was my life. That's basically what I gave my life to. And none of my friends that were playing ball competitively loved the Lord or had parents that made them go to church. So I began to have a, a bit of dissent and bitterness toward my parents because I'm like, yo, why do I have to miss certain things um, for for church? But then I start to get good. So my parents were like, okay, maybe this is a route to a scholarship for him to university. So they start to be a bit more lenient with some of my church activities. Uh, and about 12 to 20, I would say I, I rebelled hardcore did not really have any interest in following Jesus. I thought people that followed Jesus were quite corny. I don't know if you say that in the UK. That basically yep. means lame, not cool. <laughs> uh, it, was, it was it was a bit weird to me. And um, I didn't really see anyone that I could model my life after. Everyone was, the church was a bit older too as well. Anyway, to cut a long story short, when I was 20 years old, I'm in college uh, on a scholarship and I am doing terrible, all my hopes and dreams of, making money, play basketball, are completely going down the drain, and I am depressed. Uh, And the summer, I get invited to go to a a Christian retreat. I accept the invite, gave my life to Jesus in a radical, transformative encounter. Uh, The last night of the camp, said yes to him, went back to my college campus, found a campus ministry, and now I'm here. Um, And I'm moving to New York pretty soon after that. I was there nine years uh, at a church plant called C3 NYC, which I'm sure we could talk about um, here. It's actually now called Fount. Uh-huh. And, uh, yeah, they changed the name. It was, they had to, they, when they kicked me out, they said, you know what, we got a clean, clean house here. Uh, <laughs> just kidding. That's a bad joke. Uh, but yeah, so I was at Fount for nine years, um, served youth pastor. I was 
um, campus pastor, executive pastor, and then my wife and I decided to call to move in church plant uh, about a year and a half ago. And that was brings us to Seattle now. So, wow. That wasn't too that's no, it. that's great. And we'll find mm-hmm. out a little bit more about that. Uh, maybe just tell us a little bit about, hey, what do you do for fun? I know you've mentioned some of the sports stuff there. Anything else you do for fun? Um, I like to eat. So uh, <laughs> I love food. So that's, that's a thing hobby. About- that's a hobby. Yeah. I like that. Marrying yep. into a Korean family because my wife is Korean American. Koreans love to eat. So their oh, greeting yeah. is not how are you uh, or how was your day? Their greeting is did you eat? That's literally wow. how my mother-in-law greets me. So awesome. uh, I'm not mad about it. You know, some people may think it's a bit forward. I'm like, listen, I did not eat. Do you have anything for me to eat? <laughs> uh, so I, I love it. I, I'm I'm really, I love to eat. Um, yeah, so pretty much, you know, I, I think for fun, if I'm not playing basketball, I'm watching basketball. If I'm not watching basketball, I'm, I'm out with my wife and friends and we're, we're out on the town grabbing a bite to eat somewhere. Um, in the summer, we would go on walks a lot. We, My wife and I love to go on walks, but um, pretty much basketball and church planting and food are like my my life at the moment. And my wife, of course. Wow, that, that sounds like a good try out of activities there. So yeah. fantastic. Who's, who's your hey, basketball let, team? Oh, I'm still a New York Knicks guy. So uh, I was at New York for about nine years, as I said. So I, mm. you know was a part of the New York Knicks bandwagon, even though it's not much of a bandwagon to be celebrated because <laughs> the New York Knicks are not good. Uh, but I'm loyal to them, and um, this is our year. We say that every year, right? This is going to be terrible. <laughs> every uh, team says that. But yeah, this is, our, this is our year to hopefully win, you know, two playoff series. Last year we won one. So if we get one more than we won last year, then I think we'll be okay. Progress. Brilliant, brilliant. And, and I know you were saying there, obviously you served at NYC uh, C3 Church for over nine years. So we've got a, a few questions on that. Maybe, uh, Nathan, have you yeah. kick in with that and get yeah, us yeah. going on those questions? Yeah, what what were some of the uh, big takeaways for you of being part of that uh, church plant, C3, uh, NYC? You know, kind of what were some of the most exciting things about being part of the team and that church plant? Yeah. Um, so, I mean, it was nothing but positive, I would say, uh, my, my pastors and, you know, spiritual mentors of mine, uh, Josh and Georgie Kelsey were who I served under there. And I think most of my takeaways, um, are actually from what I gleaned and learned from them over the past eight and nine, nine years. I think inherently though, when you're in New York city, there's a bit of resilience that just gets on you. So I think church planting mixed with the spirit of New York what I learned the most was just how to have a resilient faith, a resilient spirit. Um, when you are portable church uh, and there's no mm-hmm. venues that you own and you don't you and you get no's because essentially what was happening is we we were basically renting out our venues and anytime the business that we were renting from got a bigger contract or more money, they would just kick us out. So there was times where it'd be like Thursday, we're like, where are we going to meet for church? Like, Because a lot of them didn't want to do, some of them did permanent contracts, but some of them, they just were like, you know, they like to keep their options open, which is like, you know, the classic thing that we do nowadays. But anyway, I would say just the spirit of like, hey, you know what? There's a problem. We're not going to run away from this problem. We're going to run toward it and believe that God has a solution. So I think that's probably one of the biggest takeaways. And I learned that from mod- uh, seeing my pastors, pastors model that, that spirit of faith. I think... Um, if there's anything that I learned, it's just to, to have a spirit of faith 
uh, and uh, but not just any faith, a resilient faith, um, because mm-hmm. there's many obstacles. Uh, particularly when you're in New York City, it's the you know most expensive city in the world. I think uh, maybe Singapore is higher, um, but uh, but it's yeah, it's it's expensive. So you just got to grit and you got to grind. But mm-hmm. the reward is the reward is definitely uh, definitely worth it for sure. So I would say, long story short, just a spirit of faith is what I learned uh, being part of the team and, and and seeing God do amazing things. Right. And just a, just a follow up on that then, what what was your sort of biggest ministry challenge, do you think, being there? Yeah, I mean, so we grew really fast. So I was there about a year into the church. Uh, it was about 100 people when I showed up, I think, maybe a little bit more. Uh, and then for the first five years, we grew we, we grew five camp five locations in five years. Wow. Um, so we planted a location in um, every year for the first five years. And then um, COVID hit. Right. So the most challenging thing was leading the church through COVID, but also leading the church out of COVID uh, because we were a church of about twenty five hundred, three thousand people um, at the uh, right at the right prior to COVID. And we lost probably about 70 percent of our church. Mm-hmm. Some to some of the uh, you know, that that's the story of many churches, but it was New York, New York, super transient. So most people were moving back home. We got a lot of the. Hey, yeah, just going back home for about, you know, a few weeks and then people just never come back like key leaders, core team. Um, So that was definitely challenging. And then um, in addition to that, there was a lot of obviously unrest that was happening. A lot of the political sort of, I would say, polarization and and, and idolatry uh, came came forward. And that sort of split the church a bit. Um, so I would say that was definitely the, the hardest challenge, navigating, okay, how do we love people? How do we empathize people? But how do we actually hold to uh, uncompromising truth of what we believe the scriptures teach about how to respond to certain moments or stances on certain things? And then I think in addition, taking the church basically out of that into rebuilding and replanting was quite difficult because basically you're still trying to, you know, see, it's like the, it's like when Nehemiah went back to Jerusalem, he's kind of surveying the, the rubble. Okay. What's here? What, what's the damage? So there was a lot of, you know, surveying the rubble, seeing, okay, who's still in New York, you know, who, who's still with us. And uh, that was difficult because some people you thought were going to be with you, with you, they weren't. Uh, but there are a lot of people that surprised us. There are a lot of people that moved to the city and were like, you know, what, we want to be a part of this. So I would say definitely. But then also my role was I was the executive pastor at that time. So mm-hmm. I was I was leading the staff as well. Uh, and the staff, you know, they're dealing with friends that have left. Some of their best friends have left the city. Some of my mm-hmm. best friends have left the city. So you go from doing ministry to with friends to doing ministry with strangers, but you still have to have the same passion and integrity and courage to see God do something significant. So um, managing their emotions, but also trying to call them to a task. Uh, it was quite difficult for sure. Yeah. What about Brilliant. for you personally, Fillmore? What were, what was the, what was the most significant personal challenge during that nine years for you? Yeah, that's a good question. I think, um, I mean, everything really, um, <laughs> I, I, uh, didn't, I don't, I didn't have a lot of discipline, as a as a as a 24 year old when I first moved, uh, so you know when you start to get responsibility and you're overseeing budgets and you know all the organizational things, I just I just got rebuked and corrected probably 
75 billion times um, <laughs> because I just, you know, I just want to be with people and like preach and, you know, raise up, you know, leaders, but all the like back in and, you know, the, the, the organizational management, I think that was a, a weak point and still is a weak point of mine. I think I've grown. I know how to, you know, staff that now, but I think, yeah, that was a challenge. And then I think, yeah, the transience of the city was pretty difficult. I would say, um, just people who you thought were going to be with you longer leaving. Uh, so what you have to learn to do is uh, really guard your heart and it's a tension mm-hmm. between guarding your heart, Definitely. Uh, but also mm. not cold so that, you know, cause you never know who comes and who's going to stay and you've had your heart broken, you know, a million times. So you have to figure out and discern, okay, how much of my heart do I give to this person? Um, and, and without them basically, you know, receiving me as a, as a code leader. So that was a big challenge as well. And I think also just navigating, getting, being married. So the going, going from the transition of being a campus master to being married and inviting my wife into sure. uh, that, that story and that journey, because she was serving, but she, she, she didn't really see everything, obviously. So when she's on, She's married to someone who's a campus pastor. You know, that was difficult because there's a lot of days that were difficult and hard. And I, I don't want to bring all the stress home, but I also don't want her to feel like she's not in the loop. So navigating what to share with her versus what not to share with her, sure. because I don't want her to see certain people in the congregation in a certain light, like in a negative light. But I also don't want to just bottle my emotions. Mm-hmm. Um, so that was difficult that first year of marriage. She thought that I never was open with her or vulnerable with her. So that was quite difficult. Um, and I'm like, babe, if I tell you, you're going to want to, you know, smack everybody at church. So, uh, <laughs> that's, that's yeah, yeah. she's kind, but I would say just mm-hmm. navigating being married and, and, and welcoming your wife into something. Yeah. It's like the kitchen. They say, you know, um, she saw the kitchen. So, yeah, that was uh that was a difficult part. So those are, I would say those three. Yeah. Yeah, great, great stuff there. And, and and obviously you were there for nine years, different roles. Thinking now going into this new church plant, you've been there a year and a half. <clears throat> well yeah. what are the what are some of the key things you're taking from um NYC C three to this new church setting? Yeah. I know you've talked a little bit about your personal stuff, the resilience, the faith, the grit, which I think you need for church planting. But what else? What else are you taking? Because obviously, you know, the church there are doing a great job and the NYC. Um, so so what are you taking with you? What's your what's your biggest learnings, I guess? Yeah. So I think there's two things, two, two things that I would say that come to mind. The first is um, and I'm, you know, I'm a, I'm a preacher, so I take a long time to say a point. Um, <laughs> but when you think about Fount or C3 NYC, um, you don't think about a, a communicator. You don't think about a speaker. Um, you think about uh, the community. Like when the, the, the reputation that C3 NYC has in New York is, man, they, they're really good at building community. Um, it's a, it's a, the relational fabric of the church is really, really strong, and that's what holds the church together. So I would say that's the number one thing that I'm taking away. You know, We want to build a church uh, that feels like a family. Uh, we don't want to build an event-based church. 
and I think that's very intentional with how our pastors built. They started with dinner parties, um, which were essentially what they sound like, dinner parties, uh, inviting friends over, inviting strangers over, over your home, sharing scriptures, praying together, sharing stories, having a meal, laughing, all of those just natural human connection things. That's what we want to do. So we're doing that right now. Every Sunday, we we sort of have a a, a form of a dinner party right now with our with our church um, and the people that are like with us. And and one of the biggest encouragements that we've got in about we've only been here about a month and a half, and people have said it already feels like a family, um, and that's encouraging because right. Seattle right. is actually a city that's dealing with loneliness at a higher rate than other cities. Mm-hmm. Um, that's because of the weather. That's because of a thing called the Seattle freeze. Seattle people are known to not to freeze people out. So they don't really invite people into their relationships. Okay. Uh, so, so we want to, we want to say, you know what, the, the kingdom of God and the church can show you a better way. So I would say that we want to, we don't want to be known for, for how good I can teach we don't want to be known for anything. We want to be known that a church that feels like a family that really does model John 13, love one another so that the world will know you're my disciples. Um, so that's really the heartbreak. And then I, another thing that I learned I'm taking, um, hold people light, lightly in the sense of do not hold titles in people in the sense of like just release people. Like don't, don't feel like you have to, uh, you know, you I don't have to, control people. They, they, they're they gifted. They're graced to do the thing that God's called them to do. And I think our pastors really did that well. Man, I was there for like a year. I was preaching on Sunday, like after being in New York for a year. Like he just saw the call of God and he not hesitate to release. So I think we don't want to hesitate to release. We want to be confident. Obviously, you discernment, do they have character? Do they have integrity? Right? Like that, those are all, all the things. But it's for me. It's I think a lot of times we don't release because we have identity in what the thing that people uh, encourage us in or affirm us for. Um, so if people affirm me as the preacher and as the teacher, I don't want to release any of that responsibility to other people because I'll get less affirmation. They'll get more affirmation. No one wants to say that, but everyone does, everyone kind of deals with that. It's a human thing. But Pastor Josh and Georgia were really good at releasing. So I mean, I dream of having a church of some of the best preachers and teachers. Uh, in the Pacific Northwest, um, just raising them up, some of the best leaders. So I would say a church that feels like family and a church that releases people into their gifts and their callings. Love that. Brilliant. Yeah, great. great. I, love, I love that idea of, of... Go ahead. No, go for it, Dave. Nathan, did you have a question? <laughs> okay. Well, <laughs> I was just going to pick up on this idea of, uh, you know, of holding lightly, because I think there's something in that, isn't there, where you've got to invest heavy, like invest in people's lives as if they're going to be with you for for generations, but hold lightly because you never know when it's time for them to move or what will happen. So there is something about that, just investing heavy and giving your all to somebody, but hold lightly because they're not they're not yours. They belong to God. And I, I think just God. picking up on that. Yeah. And I'm, I'm a steward, you know, like, yeah. like I, I, I want to steward their life and their calling and I want them to be, it you know it's it's classic we've heard it we've heard it you know all, before so it's not an original thought but I've heard that it said Jesus didn't prepare people for his presence he prepared them for their absence meaning mm-hmm. that he prepared them in a way that they could thrive when he wasn't there and that's the type of leader and that's the type of community that we want to be we want to prepare people that they can thrive without needing mm-hmm. to be 
spoon-fed or handheld by me. Um, and we want to plant autonomous churches as well. We want to send people out and to do their thing. Um, and even now, a month and a half, I got my eyes on people. I'm saying, hey, you are going to plant a church. Seattle is dying. There's no churches. We need more wow. churches in this region, more mm-hmm. churches in, in the Pacific Northwest. Um, so, so, yeah. Yeah. Now, I wonder if you were yes. would expand a little bit on um, the whole dinner parties uh, kind of idea. Obviously, you mentioned C3 New York and, uh, F- and now Fount Church. Um, they are well known and especially around the dinner parties. Um, you know, I've come across that content. But I mean, I wonder if you just share around how that helps you to build church what that's doing obviously you talked a little bit about the family vibe and what it kind of practically looks like in in a setting yeah so obviously i think it builds church because um one of the biggest felt needs obviously is for relationship you know everyone wants genuine meaningful relationships uh when your relationships are strong and your life is terrible uh you still feel like you have a sense of purpose because of relationships so if you're prioritizing that, and I think theologically also it's there. Jesus said, God said, you know, man was not live, you know, created to live alone. Um, so that's communal connection, relationship with God, and relationship to one another. My, my convention and contention is that Jesus did not just come to reconcile us back to God. He came to reconcile us back to one another. Yeah. Um, so, yeah, people were created for that. So I think that's why it works, and that's why it's a good focus at the front end. There's a lot of different ways you can kind of start a church plant, but we want to be intentional about that. But practically, it sounds just like what it, what the name is. It's a party. So we don't want it to feel like a Bible study. We don't want it to feel like a, a small group per se. Um, there's a bit of intention and excellence that goes into it. We're thinking about the hospitality. Like we're, we're, we're very generous with how we train leaders to be in, in, in hospitable, but also um, how Right now, my wife and I, with a few other people, we're kind of bearing a lot of the load of that. Um, we're thinking about intention. Like, my wife was gone in Korea for two weeks, and then she came back, uh, and she's like, no, we need to put the food here because this is a central spot when people come in. They're going to want to they're, they're gonna want to talk around this table because I had, like, off to the side. She's like, never put stuff off to the side because uh, it's going to isolate people. So you put stuff in the center. I'm like, that's brilliant. But, you know, that's why I need her hospitality gift in this. <laughs> so I would say so I would say, just little things like that. It's, we're heavy on hospitality. I don't think when we get to heaven and, we, and we're, we're at the banquet of, of the saints, there's going to be, you know, a few chips and, 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 and soda and, you know, some, some, some salsa. I think it's going to be abundant. So we're really trying to create heaven on earth uh, through dinner parties and treat people to think about it like that. Um, and I think, uh, what also separates it, I think we did a really good job and we're aiming to do that as well here. Um, and just establishing roles. So every dinner party has a role. People have roles and responsibilities that hospitality hosts follow up and discussion. Uh, so how it works is for the first 30 minutes to an hour, people arrive, there's music on, there's hospitality out, candles if and it's just connection we're catching up uh leaders are roaming the room making sure no one's alone we're, we're big spirited we're you know we're, we're connecting and I, and i think early on now i'm saying that now to people even at the front end because a lot of people are new and they're coming in and they're like you know who are these people talking i don't know them and i'm just i'll just get on a mic because we have a mic at our thing and i'll say hey 
You may not know anyone, but really this is intentional. People are talking. We want you to meet someone new. Uh, step out of your comfort zone. Go talk to someone. There's someone here that would love to meet you. So I'm saying that every day, every week. And then we get into a discussion time where we just kind of – what we used to do uh, back back in New York was talk around Sunday's message. But now um, I'll just have like a thought that I'll share and then we'll kind of break off into prayer off of what I'll share. And then we spend more time. And my favorite thing is time will be up because uh, we go about an hour and a half and people still stay and they linger and they talk. And I think that's a sign of health. So I think if every dinner party has hospitality emphasis, connection emphasis, prayer emphasis, scripture emphasis, I think it will, it will be, it will succeed. Right. Right. Yeah. Can I, can I just pick up on that? And just thinking of the culture then, I know you mentioned earlier for more about Seattle and the Seattle freeze in the sense of high people, normally would get on how, how how do you how are you going to think of overcoming that i mean just just knowing i know there's the kingdom principle we get that but thinking of the wider society if, if there's that sort of relux, reluctance to connect how, what's what's your strategy for overcoming that then yeah that's a really good question um i guess i really haven't thought about a strategy i'm i'm pretty um i'm pretty confrontational person uh, I don't really mind being confrontational in the sense of if someone is a believer, um, I have a conversation differently about sure. this mm. than if they're a non-believer. Yeah, um, yeah, yeah. If they're a non-believer and they're a bit closed, 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 uh, closed, not closed-minded, closed off, uh, and they don't really welcome people or open up their circle. Uh, it's a totally different conversation. You know, I walk sure. with them. We're empathetic. We're gracious. We're patient. Uh, but with people here that are saying, hey, you know what, we want to be a part of this, I'm having a conversation and saying, hey, um, you know, you you are not the product of, I mean, you are, in one sense, your, your flesh is attracted to maybe some of the cultural things in Seattle that are not kingdom, but you're also born again. Um, you're born <laughs> again into a new kingdom way. And I think a lot of times what happens is people... Um, kind of just settle for I was born this way or I grew up this way, uh, and I, I don't like that. Uh, I, I I think that's I think that's an excuse. It's it should inform you, and you should be aware of it. And it's not sure. it's not important. Um, but I think, and it's not a personality thing as well. Like you can be introverted and and be uh, welcoming. <laughs> you can be extroverted. You can be whatever on the Enneagram. Like, it's not about that. It's about just a spirit to say, Hey, I exist as a believer to welcome people into the family of God. So I think we just talk about it really. Like I, I, like I, I there's really no, nothing else that I could really say that I do. Like we, t- we, we, one of our values is family. So we talk about, Hey, this is what the church is. The church is a family. Uh, and in my conversation, when I'm meeting people, I'm saying, hey, this is the church that we see. Um, yeah. So that's 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 pretty much how we do it. We just hit it straight on. Yeah, I like that. I like that. So so maybe if we just push on a little bit about um, the new church plant. Um, it's called One Church. Yes. <clears throat> Excuse me. Uh, One Church. Uh, t- tell us what, what's unique. I know you've mentioned family there. What else uh, is unique about One Church and what you're trying to do? I think so far what's unique is it's pretty diverse. Um, I've had friends who grew up in the area uh, and now they either live in New York or other places. They may see photos of our church and say that's not 
that's not normal. Um, you don't really see diverse churches in uh, in Seattle. Um, now I, I credit that just to because my wife and I, you know, I think you attract you attract who you are. Um, so we're diverse, obviously she's Korean, I'm African American, but then also we've always had diverse relationships. So it's pretty easy for us to connect. So I would say in that sense, um, it is. And one of the things that we talk about is we don't want to build a community off preferences. We want to build a community, uh, based on the person of Christ. Um, your preferences are important, particularly if they're ethnic and cultural, but we want the center and the glue of this community to be around Jesus. Um, so I think that's, what makes it unique? It's diverse. Um, but I don't know. I think this is probably a lame answer. I think we want to be a church that is excellent, but also we want to be a church that's word and spirit. Mm-hmm. Uh, so I want to attempt to have a church that um, is knowledgeable of scripture, church history, um, um, has a liturgical bent, observes the sacraments, but also leans into the power of the spirit, but also uh, when someone sees the Instagram, they're like, oh, this is actually attractive. You know, I, I feel like I want to combine all of those things. You know, yeah. <laughs> that may sound vain, but that's just who I am. I was a creative before I was a pastor. Um, I was a photographer, so I can't change that part of me. But I also am a nerd. I love to read, um, you know, and I love to learn and glean. But also I grew up Pentecostal and I grew up in people falling out and, you know, modesty cloths and all that craziness and, and <laughs> seven hour services and worship. So I think I'm like a church mutt. So uh, I'm a theological sort of stew or whatever. I come from a, a, tr- a mini tradition. So I think, yeah, I want our church to feel like a bit, oh man, this has a bit of, um, you know, it's, it sounds, it's kind of got a bit of Baptist, how much they emphasize the word, but then it kind of feels charismatic because they they have lingering in their services and they wait for God to speak uh, or it feels a bit like a vineyard church. Uh, mm. But then it's like, wow, it's creative and it's edgy. So I think, yeah, those are the things we, we, we aim to do. Obviously we're a year and a half, we're a month and a half. So this could all fail, yeah. but uh, <laughs> that that's, that's, uh, that, that's our aim. Uh, and our, and our four mm. values are truth, presence, family, and mission. So we believe that the main mission of the church is just to make disciples. The question that we're asking is not what we would, what will we achieve? What are our goals? The question we're asking is who are we becoming as a church? So my number one responsibility is to see people become more like Christ. My number one responsibility is not to grow a big church. Um, so I want to see people become more like Christ. And I believe people become, become more like Christ when they have these four ingredients in their life. The truth of God, the presence of God, the family of God, and the mission of God. So we want to build a church around those four four values. Great. I wonder, Fillmore, whether you could talk into um, maybe the journey of you having the desire. How did you, you know, have that desire or God placed on your heart, we want to plant a church. Having that conversation with Josh and Georgie Kelsey, how that went. And yeah, just the process of that before this, you know, this month and a half that you've been uh, launched one church. Yeah. So um, it's not even been a month and a half, actually. It's been about 
40 days, but um, I just mm-hmm. thought about it just now. But <laughs> yeah, so I never wanted to church plant ever. Um, people would ask me in the past three, four years pretty frequently, and I always say no because it looked really difficult and hard. And also my wife is from a church planting family. Um, her grandfather later in her life planted a Korean church in Seattle that was pretty significant, probably one of the biggest Korean churches uh, in Seattle. So I never wanted to do it. Um, about August, uh, late July, August of 2022, I had two dreams. I never remember my dreams ever. In the past 10 years, I've probably remembered five dreams. Two of them were the ones that I had pertaining to Seattle. Uh, and I am not like I'm super open to the, the gifts of the spirit and things in the spirit. But I, I, I was like, I'm not going to necessarily just jump on this straight away because it could just be, you know, I had too much pizza or whatever. So <laughs> a lot of people always use that analogy, pizza. Yeah. Um, so basically... What we did with those dreams, the first dream that I had um, that I'll tell you is uh, my wife and I were driving to church and I realized we weren't in New York. We were in Seattle. Uh, And then I began to preach at this church that we were driving to. And I recognized that everyone in the audience, they had on Seattle Seahawks jerseys. Uh, And if you go to any church right now on a Sunday in Seattle, you will see that people wear (laughs) Seattle Seahawks jerseys. The Seahawks run this city. So I sat with that and I woke up with like, hey, babe, I think this is pathetic of sorts. She was caught off guard because the backstory is when we were engaged, she wanted to move to Seattle. I said, never. So now she's like, what? Because she gave up that dream. That's a long story that maybe she can tell someday. But so we sat with that word. I had another dream, sat with that word, began to process it with, you know, one person outside of my family. Uh, and then we then brought that to our pastors and said, Hey, we feel like God may be calling us to plant a church. Uh, and then we had, you know, you know, we had about, uh, that took about, I would say that was like maybe January, February, March, April, about four months of, of just kind of lingering around the initial thought and vision of, of us planting a church. And then in April, it was like, you know, we, we got released to do it. Um, and, they, spiritual mentors of ours, they blessed it. And just about every person that we looked up to blessed it. So, yeah, we just discerned it. It was probably about a, um, a six-month, six, eight-month eight process of just discerning the word. And for us, it meant a lot that spiritual mentors affirmed it. So we're like, you know. And then there was a lot of things that, like, my wife was like, this has to happen, this has to happen, this has to happen. And all three of those things happened. So, yeah, we just... We, we we sat and we waited with it, and the Lord was faithful to confirm it. And and now that we're here, it's like so obvious. It's 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 quite it's quite wild, yeah. Fillmore, what's the best way for people to uh, connect with you? Yeah, I would say with me, they can hop on uh, Instagram, Fillmore Bolds, F I L M O R E B O U L D E S, and then with the church, One Church N W, uh, on Instagram as well. You can find all the links and stuff. So yeah, follow me. Follow the church, uh, and we'd love to connect with you. And if you know anyone in Seattle uh, that's not connected to a local church, um, send them our way. Yeah, definitely, definitely. Fantastic. Well, it's been uh, it's been so great to be together today, and uh, just want to say a big thank you to everyone who's listening. And uh, remember to rate, review, subscribe wherever you're uh, consuming this content. Leave a review it helps us, and share it with someone who you know that would be blessed with that. But it's been great to be together. Great to have Fillmore with us, and we look forward to seeing you next time on the Church Explained podcast.